Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. Today we're speaking with Larry Nussbaum of Nussbaum Law Group. How are you doing today, Larry? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm good. So we're speaking to Larry in Boston, Massachusetts, and his number, for those of you that want to contact him uh, after this broadcast, I think you're going to like him, 857-206-6351. That's Nussbaum Law Group, NLGinjury.com. Hey, Larry, so... Tell me uh, a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up ma- mainly in Boston. Um, spent a little time at a at a boarding school in Connecticut, uh, and then was back to uh, back to Boston for college, law school. In fact, it's interestingly enough, I've my parents moved, and I've never been back to Connecticut since. <laughs> um, so, 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 one of the things that you know. A lot of us, you know, I, I grew up on the West Coast. There's really not, you know, boarding schools out there um, to speak of, but it's, it's somewhat of a way of life for some people on the East Coast. What's it like going to a boarding school? Yeah, so I ended up, not only did I go to a boarding school, I went to an all-boys boarding school. So, um, <laughs> and, yeah, initially initially I was opposed to it. Um, but within within a week or two, I mean, I had made some of the best friends of my life. And uh, it's a different experience. Obviously, it's not for everybody. But um, after the initial shock wore off, I mean, I, I still to this day, I, I don't give a lot of credit to a lot of places. But um, my years at boarding school definitely, you know, changed me and shaped me in, in, in a different way. And like I said, I have I have friends from all over the world and I, I'll go 10 years without seeing someone and, and we pick up right where we left off. It's really amazing. Now, which boarding school did you go to? I went to Avon Old Farms. It's a uh, all boys boarding school in Avon, Connecticut. It's about it, it's a small one, so it's about three hundred kids. And I mean, we all you know you get assigned jobs. You have to wait on each other in the in the cafeterias and do chores. And it was I wouldn't call it bo- you know it's not it's not a military school. It's actually a really good hockey school. Um, a lot of NHL players and stuff, but uh, 300 boys and, you know, you live together, you eat together, you do everything together. And um, everyone was friends. There really were no groups. I mean, it, it really was an, an interesting experience. So you, did you go to high school there? You went there right out of eighth grade? No. Yeah, I went. So I went there for, uh, I actually did five years of high school. I, at one point was a decent athlete and I tore my knee. So I repeated my junior year. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I did, uh, not, I, all, all of high school at, at the boarding school and did it actually took an extra year there as well, which, which I think I needed. I wasn't ready for college. That was for sure. What, what, uh, what kind of sports did you play? So I played, I played soccer and lacrosse. Um, and, uh, I was pretty good and I, I was probably better at soccer than I was at lacrosse, but I had played soccer since I was 
I don't know, four or five years old. And when I got, by the time I was getting near the end of high school, I was almost bored of it. And uh, so I ended up playing lacrosse, uh, D3 lacrosse at a, at a small school called Wheaton College in Norton, Massachusetts. Um, before I tore my ACL, I like to, I like to think I would have played D1, but we'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those knees, they can really, uh, you know what I think I, I still every now and then join, you know, I like to play a little pickup basketball. Uh, and man, if I go a little bit too hard, it, it just takes one little tweak of the knee and I'm, I'm out for the rest of the game. Wow. Yeah. So, so, um, your folks, uh, were they lawyers? Nope. Um, so my, my father was in, in, uh, like further education, um, leadership development. And then my mom, uh, was a doctor. Um, but they definitely both were, um, very academic and believed in academics. It was just me and my sister. And so, um, they definitely, you know, and I wasn't the greatest student, um, but my, to, to my parents, you know, school was the most important thing. And that's why, again, me and my sister went to private schools and, you know, my parents really, you know, tried to make that a, uh, a priority. Um, I remember my, my friends playing in the, in the, in the, you know, driveways and I, I couldn't come out till a little later cause I had to have my homework done. So a- academics was definitely a priority for, for both my parents. Well, you becoming a, uh, a big time lawyer in Boston. They must look at oh, that. And says, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. We, I'm glad we uh, sent that kid to boarding school, and and also that I'm glad that we we made that kid stay inside. Co- correct. I, I mean, and it took me years to to really appreciate it, and I still tease them. But uh, certainly, again, you know, it's hard to pick things and, and see exactly how why things turned out. But certainly, they they did things the right way, and. I ended up uh, where I am today, probably a lot because of them. Now, tell us a little bit about your practice, um, Larry. Um, are you uh, right there in the city? Yeah, so we're in uh, we're in downtown Boston, um, uh, right by you know I, I consider myself. So we would I would say I'm very close to the North End, which is kind of the Italian area, um, and then we're right by the TD Garden. I'm actually on like the same street as the TD Garden, which is where the uh, Celtics in the um, Bruins play, uh, so we're yeah we're in we're in downtown, uh, and that that was something that was a you know for lack of a better word I'll call it, it was a non negotiable when I decided to open my own law firm I could have gotten uh, much cheaper rent outside of the city um, but I really wanted to be in downtown Boston. What uh, t- tell us about. Uh... Yeah, I, I know that uh, you went to Wheaton College, and then you ended up going to uh, law school in Boston. And so when you got out, did you start your own firm right away? No. So, uh, yeah, I went to Suffolk Law, which is, I mean, I could probably walk there in, I don't know, five minutes from my office. So Suffolk Law is in downtown Boston. And my entire time, uh, I always joke with people. So I, most people that went to law school, at least with myself, they didn't know what type of law um they wanted to necessarily get into. And a lot of people that had some idea didn't, didn't end up doing anything with it. Um, I like to joke that, you know, I went to law school day one because I wanted to be uh, an accident attorney, a personal injury attorney. Um, so I interned with a law firm from probably very early on in my first year when nobody else was doing that kind of thing. And I stuck with them all three years, all three summers. And I started working for them literally before I even got uh, my bar results and then continued to work for them uh, for a couple of years. 
And while I was doing that, you know, one of the things that I always I re- realized very early on that in, in this business, you have to be able to, or at least you used to have to really be able to generate your own business. Um, so I was able to, I was blessed to, you know, one case became two and it just kept multiplying. So about four years ago, I reached a point where I had so many cases that were my own that even if I didn't want to leave, it just, there was, it made no sense not to leave. So, um, it was a little bit scary, but I left and, uh, it's been up ever since. Now, how long have you had your, your own law practice? Um, almost five years. Wow, that's what's coming yeah, up this about, year, huh? About four and a half. That's coming up this year in in a, in a few months. Well, and that's, that's quite an accomplishment. Five yeah, years. Yeah, it's. And... They say you got to make five years. So, um, I mean, I can remember in the beginning, I you know, I, there were weeks I didn't know if I'd make payroll or I was not paying myself, and I'm sure we all have the same stories. Um, um, so we've grown, and now I still have my problems, but they're just a little bit different. <laughs> I'll tell you, one thing that I know about you, Larry, is that you hustle. You know, one of the things that I I really appreciate about you and I can see, and your parents must have seen it too, is that this is a guy that knows how to treat people, how to talk to people, and knows how to get things done. And, you know, I, I um, can I be an investor right now? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I appreciate that. So, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the things that, you know, so one of the things that always bothered me, uh, I'll tell you like a little story is that I used to see like people and even lawyers that I knew, like, and they would almost go out of their way and steal cases for lack of a better word, meaning, oh, they, they meet someone out. And, oh, well, that lawyer's no good. You got come sign up with me. And I hated it. And I'm, I'm always been like a big car. I do a lot of things based on karma and things like that. So I'm the person where somebody would call me and I'd be like, actually, he's a great lawyer. I don't think I could do, I would try to save cases for other lawyers. Um, And so I ultimately, over the time, I kind of came up with a spiel that I would give to clients and I would never tell them that I do a better job than, you know, the next lawyer. What I would tell them is there's, there's some really good lawyers and there's some really bad lawyers. And, but if, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily any better or I can get you more money than the next good lawyer. So you got to eliminate the bad lawyers, but once you get to the good lawyer, it's it's who do you want to who do you want to dance with? Who do you want to go to dinner with? Who do you want to have the relationship with? If we're all going to get you similar numbers, once you get to a good level of attorney, then to me, it's all about the relationship and the experience. And that's a human connection. It has nothing to do with law. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, uh, I one thing you told me about that boarding school was that they required you to wait on your uh you know, fellow classmates and, and actually serve them. Yep. And um, you know, that, that probably was a pretty good lesson for you, huh? Yeah. I mean, again, like I said, you, you, you hated at first and then, and then you learned to, to kind of enjoy it. Um, because again, you would have to wait different tables and people were assigned a table. So it was an opportunity for everybody to get to know each other. And then years later, you realize all the lessons that, that were kind of hidden that they didn't necessarily tell you outright, but yeah, there was a lot of little things. Um, you know, there was, you know, we didn't have detention. We had Sunday work crews and, you know, there would be teachers. We would be, you know, mowing the teachers' grasses, you know, that all lived on campus. So um, the other thing that I, that I, that I stuck with me is that I, I almost say hi to like almost every stranger I pass on the street. And that's something that we used to do 
Um, they had a big deal in, at the boarding school, you know, always walk with your head up. If you ever walk around, notice how many people are walking with their head down. Um, and so that's kind of always stuck with me as well. Well, you know, we're in a people business, Larry, and yep. there's, yep. there's people that, you know, the, the, the way I kind of look at things is it's pretty easy to find um, a bad part of somebody. I, I mean, that's not hard to do because we're all, you know, we we're, we all make mistakes. We're all, you know, we're all human. But, you know, it's I think the people that are successful in dealing with people try and find the good in somebody and try and find you know, the, the, the part of them that, that is the hard worker, that is the, the person that cares about people. And if you're that, if you're blessed with that gift to be able to find the good in somebody, then you're going to have a happier life. Yeah, no, I, I would, I would completely agree. Um, it's hard, it's hard to, to do sometimes, but you know, I, I preach it to everybody that works for me and I certainly didn't create it, but you know, I, you know, do the right thing, take care of people, and those are the ones that end up not, you know, becoming extremely successful. And if the ones that just focus on the money tend to not be as successful. So, um, you know, I preach that every day that, you know, you can have a good business and everything that, that comes with having a good business will come. It might take a little bit longer. Um, but again, do it, do it. You know, I, I, I say three things every day to my office, work hard, do things the right way, not, not necessarily the easy way. And, and help someone. If you do all three of those, it's a, it's a hell of a day. So tell me about your, your practice. You, you've been practicing for quite a, quite a number of years now. You, um, you've built up, uh, you know, the Nussbaum Law Group right in the heart of Boston. And are you sitting back and, and just resting on your laurels now? Or are you, are you trying to to improve or are you trying to, to grow? What, what, what's your plan? What's yeah. Your plan? Yeah. So as you know, I mean, there's, there's so many different models of, of a law firm and different ways of being successful. So I consider my, and I'm proud of it. Uh, I consider myself a volume guy, meaning uh, we take a lot of cases. Some have a lot of value. Some have minimal value. Um, one of my favorite things is to take, you know, a case that I don't think we could win, but, you know, get the insurance company to give us some significant money to go away. Um, those are always fun for me. So we take, we take a lot of, we take a lot of um, files. Um, we certainly, we take none. So yeah, I'm trying to grow. I want more cases. I want to help more people. Um, we're a big believer in second generation uh, cases, meaning, you know, if we take care of the people that, that we worked on, uh, we'll get more cases from them. And uh, so We've been blessed that I was able to grow the business from those personal connections. And now uh, certainly we've taken some steps to try to, um, you know, come at everybody from all different angles. So we do, we try to have a pretty uh, busy social media networking and, and, and an online uh, presence. I, I certainly, I haven't done any billboards or uh, ads or anything, but um, during this little bit of a, uh, downtime for lack of a better word, even though, again, we've been blessed. We haven't been that down right now. Um, certainly I've been focusing on a lot of, uh, the business aspects and ways that we can improve and, and ways we can look to grow. And so, um, most of the people that, that call you, that find you, how do they find you? Do they, is it word of mouth or do they find you on the internet or how do you know? Yeah. So we definitely track everything and, and, 
I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's probably a little bit of both. But so the majority of our cases still come from word to mouth. Um, prior clients, current clients, family, friends, restaurant workers, just people in the community. Um, and as we've grown, we're, we're getting more and more um, off off the internet marketing and all that kind of stuff. So I would personally, I, I never want my, my um, you know, word to mouth referrals to decrease. I want that to still increase, but I'd like to get a, a, a more balanced uh, percentage of cases um, from the internet as well. But yeah, we're, we're a very heavy word to mouth. And on that kind of note, I'll say, um, I've talked to a lot of people in the last week or two on the national level um, and, and some of these big law firms that rely heavily on their internet marketing and SEO and pay-per-click and TV and that, some of these firms are down 60, 70% of what their normal intake is. Um, I might be down 10%, you know, here or there, but, but we're seeing pretty similar numbers. And I thought to myself and I was looking where they came from. And the, and the reason that I see behind that is none of these people that have been signing up this last week or two are from the Internet. They're all from, you know, old clients or regular clients or prior clients. So I think the word of mouth there, uh, has kind of kept me going these last yeah, two you weeks. Know, the one thing that I, I, I see with very successful people is that they're relationship builders and um, a lot of folks that, that get into this business that, you know, of representing people, um, which is an honor, you know, it's a privilege to represent somebody. And, and, you know, you and I are, are grateful for every single person that we represent. And I think the, some, some folks look at, you know, a call from, from somebody or uh, a lead, they call them. Um, and they look upon it as a transaction, but, you hit on it, I think, is that the people that you actually say hello to on the street or the server that that, that you talk to when you're at a restaurant or a, a tavern or somebody that you meet at a party, this is a person. And they remember you because you ask them about them. Yeah, and it's not only do they remember you, it's amazing. And I never really realized that you can really – you know, there's a waiter and they're having a long night and not everybody's as nice. Just, you know, if one table kind of chats them up every time they come over, before you know it, you got some free drinks and you actually change that person's whole night around. Instead of having a horrible night, they had a great night. Then you can even throw them a little bit of a tip. And like I said, yeah, before you know it, they're in the back. They're all splitting tips. This guy's got more tips than everybody else. And he just said, what a great guy this guy is. And, and the whole restaurant loves you. And um, it, it, it's amazing how, again, like I said, you got to do it for the right reasons, but just, just taking interest in someone or being nice to someone, uh, goes in an awful well, long you know way. I, I tell you, you know, sometimes my, uh, my kids laugh at me or, or, you know, whatever, but I, my feeling is I, I give my card to everybody. Um, and I, I, I let them know that, Hey, listen, if they need help, I'm there to help them. But, but I, you know, it doesn't hurt when when you know to give somebody a nice tip either because what you're telling them especially you know now with uh larry with what's going on with uh you know this whole quarantine and all this type of stuff the devastation of the restaurant industry and the service industry and everybody else that's not able to to actually get up in the morning and do their job and and work at the diner and 
and and serve us it's it's absolutely horrible and if you if we can somehow um help them out during this time how much are they going to remember that oh oh yeah so i mean i uh i was kidding with someone i try to watch what i eat especially during the day while i'm at the office um and so i've been che- definitely for a hundred percent been cheating on my diets during this uh virus time but what i've made a point to do is that every day i've picked a different local restaurant and i've ordered more food than i can actually eat and i leave a bigger tip um and so i justify that i'm, I'm helping the, the local businesses and they definitely need all the help and in, in exchange i get to cheat on my diet a little bit it's it's not the worst you know, thing ever um, one of the things that i i really want is i want all these restaurants and, and businesses that i deal with to be there when this is over with so I'm kind of, it's kind of self-interest on my part because, uh, and then I'm friends with a lot of these people. So, um, we got to do it. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's, I, if, if, if there's any business, obviously there's a lot of businesses struggling, but I I've seen it even around Boston for, there's definitely some restaurants that, that, I mean, they're just not going to be able to make yeah. it through. So let's um, talk about some of your community outreach, Larry, cause this is, this is the stuff that I, that I just, I mean, I think this is the stuff that, that makes a guy like you different. So um, I saw you on social media. I was doing some research to this thing. Um, have, you know, some of these challenges that you did, which were absolutely cool. But one involved pizza. Pizzas. Yeah. Tell, tell the listeners about that one. Yeah, so it actually, um, it was a spur of the moment. I it was a little bit selfish, to be honest. I wanted to do something really nice for the Boston hospitals. And, you know, one of the I thought it would be easy, believe it or not. It took a lot of coordination to, to get the food to the hospitals. Um, but I wanted to send a lot of pizzas. And then I said, let me have a little fun with it. And so and I openly admitted it. he had no idea. Anthony Johnson, who's an attorney in Arkansas, um, and he's pretty flashy guy, pretty flashy guy, as you know. So I figured if there was anybody that would accept the, the financial burden I was going to put him on the spot with, he would definitely say yes. I took, a, I took a, an educated <laughs> risk. Um, so um, I, sent, I sent 222 pizzas to Arkansas hospitals, which was fairly expensive, but I could afford it. And then I asked him for 777 back, um, which is, again, a play on his phone number, which is 777777. But, you know, the Boston hospitals were, you know, really, you know, were – could, could use it and so he naturally responded and it's really taken off we got a we got a lot of uh we got you know the pizza restaurant not you know the other the, the other thing about it it's not just given to the hospitals but um two two restaurants in arkansas i mean they got the biggest orders of their lifetime uh one restaurant in boston got the biggest pizza order of their lifetime and then anthony has now uh informed me that he's now trying to to really have it taken off so he's He's now taken it an extra step, and Anthony's challenged another two firms. But what he's going to actually do, and God bless Anthony, he's going to pay for those 700. So he's paying for another about 1,500 pizzas, 777 to New York, 777 to Louisiana. But then those two firms have to keep passing it on, um, and Anthony won't be paying after that level. Um, so, yeah, it really took off. But I, I knew right away I wanted to give back. Um, but then I figured, you know, can I do it and have a little fun? So uh, we did a second one, which was a shaved head, which hasn't been finished yet. Um, so I'm calling it the I'm calling them the Nussbaum sneak attack. And uh, they'll be we're going to we're going to we're going to do one a week while this is going on. 
and it's supposed to be kind of fun yet put somebody really on the spot, but they, they almost can't say no because then they look like an <laughs> asshole for not delivering to charity. So it's, it's fun and uh, really beneficial at the same time. So I've actually had a lot of yeah, fun with it. Yeah. I, I, I was looking at this stuff and I'm like, boy, this guy is a player. He, he knows how to do this stuff. So, Hey, listen, I, I wanted to, to kind of change directions here a little bit. Are there any folks that, that you can think of? Um, you probably already told me about a few, but that, that have inspired you to be the, the, you know, the go get them guy that you are and the, the, the great lawyer that you are. Um, Oh, I'm, I'm, I get inspired every day, but, uh, you know, I, I honest to God, what I, what I do on a daily basis. And sometimes I, I mean, if they videotape me, they probably think I'm insane, but I've been true to myself and I've just been me and, and being me is not necessarily, um, you know, one of the famous quotes we hear is that I'll meet with a client, uh, and they'll say, wow, you're not what I expected. <laughs> um, and I don't, I used to get a, I don't know what that means sometimes. Um, but, uh, I've really stuck to who I am and not tried to change to be, you know, a more formal lawyer or to be what, what people want or expect. And so I, um, I get inspired by little things every day, but people wise, I really haven't tried to emulate anybody. Um, I've really just been true to myself, which isn't, isn't necessarily easy to do in, in what can sometimes be a really formal industry. Um, so I, I, it's actually worked and it's not for everybody. Uh, they're, I'm sure that I've lost some clients because they wanted something different, a different experience. And I'm okay with that. Um, but for what, for what I've been doing and the people I've been representing, I, I've been, I've always tried to be really true uh, to myself. I like that. So, um, so um, there's, maybe there's a, maybe there's a third year law student that's listened to this or a first year or second year associate at a, at a law firm and, and they're thinking, hey, you know, I want to I want to be like Larry. I, I can I can do this. What do you tell that that man or woman? So initially, and I can tell you right off the bat, because I've had this conversation, with people don't try to be me. Um, and I don't mean that from an egotistical standpoint, saying that no one can be me. But I don't the way they, the books are written and how you should do things are not necessarily, I, if I was an NBA player, my free throw would probably be, you know, underneath and not in the right formula, but it would hopefully go in. Yeah. Right. So I, I would say certainly don't try to, don't try to, to be someone specifically. I think that's really hard to do. Um, but you know, I think you have to figure out and, and I know you and I have both learned a lot about this and, and it's kind of what I've said about being me and transitioning is, what are your figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are and then pick something in your strengths and just become great at it. Um, right. We're not all naturally right. Try to write with your left hand and you're a righty. You can't write very well. So, you know, as much as we want to say that we can educate and learn and we can do that to some extent, like pick something you're great at and, you know, and that your comes a little bit natural to you and just really master it and, that I think whether whatever type of law that is or type of work, I think it will get you very far uh, in terms of that. You know, um, I checked out your website, nlginjury.com, and uh, pretty impressive uh, website with all the, I mean, the one thing that stood out for me was all the great um, 
reviews you got. I mean, it sounds like you guys really want to earn that great review from a client. And I, I saw a lot of them and that's a good start. Yeah, no, again, like I said, I, I, I literally have built this firm on, on current clients referring more and more clients. And um, another, I feel like I keep saying it, but another one of my famous lines is that, you know, you can always fix a problem on a file. I believe that. Right. So this is we, you know, not every file goes perfectly. You can always fix the problem, but you can't fix the relationship with the client. So what I mean by that is if, if your client's happy, you can, you can mess up a little on the file and you'll buy yourself that extra two months to fix it and everything works out fine. But you could be doing an amazing job on the file. And if the client doesn't like you or feels like you haven't given them enough attention, then all that work's going to waste. Um, so yeah, it's all, it's really all about the client. And again, bigger, what bigger, you know, mark, what more marketing or better presence can you get than a current client saying nice things about you? It just, that, that's as natural as it gets. So, um, what do you do for fun outside of, out of work? Um, let's see, what do I do? What do I do? I do work a lot and, and, I'll, and I'll turn your words around in you a little bit. For me, I got to be honest. And some people think it's cheesy. Work for me is fun. I love it. Um, which is another thing that I think you really have to love what you do. So I do work a lot. Um, again, I work out. I love to play, pick, pick up basketball. I'm a big basketball guy. Um, I, I used to golf a lot more than I do, but I, I was going to try to get back into, uh, that this summer. Um, take up tennis a little bit. I've been doing a lot of exercising. I don't read much. I don't watch TV much besides sports. So I'm having trouble now, but, um, I like to be active. I like to be outside. You got any favorite, you got any favorite, uh, sports teams? Uh, I'm a Celtics guy. Uh, and that, that's, that's what I live or die through. I mean, again, I, I love the Patriots. I love all Boston teams. Um, UConn men's basketball. I actually grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan, but, um, at this point in my life, like I said, I, I, I ride or die for the Boston Celtics. Um, How's that team doing? The last couple of years. Well, uh, they've been doing they've been doing pretty good. We've gone through a lot of different players, and we're always in the you know top top couple, but not the not not good enough to win. Uh, and we're looking pretty good this year. So I am definitely uh, very excited and hopeful that all sports and all activities can. Uh, resume sooner than later you know i i uh i've watched probably three or four times that uh that boston versus la espn series and yeah they've uh, been doing they've been doing a lot of good reruns recently oh that that one is just it's so good i mean uh, uh, oh yeah and, and they they uh one one stat i think you'd like is they compared lebron's stats at 30 and larry bird's stats at 30 and larry was ahead of him on all of them Oh, I, I believe it. I believe it. Uh, yeah, but, I'm not. Yeah. I'm a Jordan. I'm a Jordan guy. So I, I go back that generation enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was a, uh, that was a lot of fun. I, I, uh, I grew up a Seattle Supersonics fan. Oh, so Sean Kemp and Sean Kemp, Gary Payton and Detlef Shrimp. You know, you know, my, uh, the, the, uh, the one thing. Nate, that, McMi I, Nate McMillan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, with uh, Supersonics was I as a kid I, I used to listen to them and we we won the title, uh, one title in '79 and um, it was 
an indelible. I was like a 13 or 14 year old kid. And, um, you know, one of the things is that one of the last things that Seattle Supersonics did was they drafted Kevin Durant. And so we had Kevin Durant, we were on our way to go. And then all of a sudden some, some dude took him to Oklahoma city. I remember, and, I, rem- I remember that actually. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, unbelievable that you yeah, got, see, of- so see, there's a, uh, I don't even know if this is, I think it's public knowledge, public knowledge by now, but there's a uh, really um, old school, wealthy family of Boston and they uh, are building the rink and bought the, there's going to be an expansion hockey team in Seattle. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's from a Boston family. Um, I don't know where that's at with, but yeah, Seattle's getting an NHL team. No, they are. And, and um, but you know, all of us want the golden green back, the Seattle Supersonics. I mean, this, I, I could have a podcast just on that. I'm so angry because, um, you know, that was, that was our team. That was our, you know, those were our guys. Yeah. And uh, I mean, heck it's the home to Microsoft, Boeing, Starbucks. You, they couldn't afford a team. Uh, I was going to say that I was about, you took the words. There's, there's a wealthy enough guy out there uh, that could just easily buy a team and have it there. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. But anyway, I, I uh, wouldn't be maybe, surprised maybe, if, the, if the NHL team does well. They could, you know, use the rink, the you know, just like we use the same facility for the hockey and the basketball. I mean, it would be easy to bring a team back. And, and yeah, and so Larry, are you on board? You know, if I challenge you one day, you know, when, when you make those billions, that you come in and maybe help me out, bring the Supersonics back. Yeah, I, I, I actually think if if we got enough people together, we could probably afford a team. <laughs> How much fun would that be, huh? Oh my God. That's, that's actually, you want to talk about a childhood dream. I mean, I would, I mean, if I couldn't play in in the league, I would love to own a team. Yeah, it would be a great time. So, Hey, listen, um, what can I, when we close down this interview, what would you like to tell the folks that want to sit down with you? Um, they've, they've had something bad happen to them. They need a lawyer. Um, I know they can call 857-206-6351, but when they call that number, what's the chance they're going to be able to talk to Larry? A hundred percent. I mean, I, I, so I say I, I can't guarantee that I'll, I'll be available that exact second, but I would be shocked with if, with if in an hour they haven't at least heard. The worst thing that I do is say, hey, I got your message. Can we set up a time to talk? But I get back to everybody. That's another thing that I pride myself on is, is returning phone calls. Number one reason a lawyer in the country gets fired is lack of communication. You know, so. um, I will testify to that. So I, I, I've gone to a couple of conferences where Larry was there and I think I'm hustling. I'm, I'm, I'm down, you know, trying to do my workout. This guy, I saw him in the conference room at five 30 in the morning. He's and he's got all these sheets in front of him. And he's got all these names and he's assigning people stuff at 5.30 in the morning. And then he's hustling all day long, returning calls and doing all these things. And I'm sitting there going, this guy, this guy understands what people want. Yeah. No, again, like I said, I, it, for me, it's, it's always been uh, got to keep the got to keep the client happy. Right. That's 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 what we're that's what we're here for is to help people. And again, from a business standpoint, you know, got to have a happy client. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is a guy that doesn't like Mondays. He loves Mondays. He can't wait to get back to the office to help you. Larry Nussbaum at NLGinjury.com. 
857-206-6351. Larry, you got to promise me that you'll come back and talk to us when you open up that high rise, the nest bomb yeah. you know, real estate group and all that stuff. And you're the, the biggest gut hitter in, in Boston. Will you do that? Absolutely. And thanks for having me. Listen, if you ever talk Seattle C- Su- super songs, I'm, I'm in for it. <laughs> all right, buddy. Take all care right. now. Thanks Joe. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.